Even if it doesn't like really work like very well in here because you have to ensure that the indigenous people can be safe and all those kind of stuff. Independently from that, which is very difficult, um, I would say that is an interesting model, like go, like doing it backwards. Because it's like, not it's not one I've really I wanna, heard of. I want to prevent anyone to destroy this park. I'm gonna give it to the. I'm gonna give like rights to the to the natives to the people who actually live there. Yeah, who live there forever. Yeah. Greetings, fellow travelers. Welcome to another episode of Gone Native. This is Miles Burke. This week, we're going on a journey. We're going to begin a journey, which will last the next few weeks, I think, here on Gone Native, to the strange and remote peninsula of La Guajira in the northeastern part of Colombia, bordering the, I almost said the Mediterranean, the Caribbean Sea. Um, It's... (sighs) It's one of the most unusual places in Colombia, given that it's a an arid desert, all of it. I can't remember the exact square kilometer area of La Guajira, but it's it's a sizable peninsula. And it's strange because as you travel towards La Guajira from Santa Marta, where we're actually going to be in this week's episode of the show, Lena and I took a trip to Santa Marta a while back. Uh, which is another really fascinating, interesting area of Colombia that has these uh, mountains, some of the highest mountains in the country, the Sierra Nevada de Santa Marta, which are right on the coast, uh, right next to this uh, little port city called Santa Marta, right on the coast, which is more of a more of a vacation city than a port city these days, although it still does have an active port. But a lot of Colombians go there on, on vacation to go to the seaside and just party and have a good time in the sun. So you're going, you're going through there and you notice it, it starts to get kind of drier. The climate gets dry. It's still very hot and humid, but uh, it starts the, – the landscape and the plants start to peter out. They start to become desert. You see cactus. Um, the plants change. The animals change. And then you get to La Guajira and it's, it's just pure desert. Almost nothing grows there uh, except cactus and, and scrub bush. And uh, people live there, an indigenous people called the Waiyu, uh, who have lived on the border of the nicer lands – of Santa Marta and the, the nice high cool mountains of the Sierra Nevada, uh, where people like the Kogi and the Wiwa and other indigenous groups live, but the Waiyu live in the desert and they're famous for wearing, well, the women at least for wearing this manta, which is this long flowing robe. Um, and the men traditionally at least just wore taparrabos, which is just a loincloth. But of course today they wear more modern clothes. They wear jeans and t-shirts and things like that. Um, but the traditional dress is is very specific. And you see why people would wear almost nothing when you go there because it's it's incredibly hot, um, still pretty humid in a lot of places, but um, especially because it's right along the coast. It's I mean, it's a desert peninsula sticking out into the ocean, kind of like Baja, California, uh, if you're familiar with that area, which is another sort of coastal desert region with some high hills and mountains. I don't think there's any mountains in, in Baja, California, but there's definitely some pretty high hills. I might be wrong about that, but it's been a while since I've been there. Anyway, Lena and I took a month-long trip. We went to Santa Marta. We stayed there for a couple of weeks just hanging out. Lena was working remotely. I was just kind of on vacation. And then we headed up to La Guajira. And we took this expedition is really the only thing I can call it. It's called a tour. They say they're taking you on a tour, but what it is, it's a three-day expedition all around the entire peninsula of La Guajira, you visit um, Punta Gainas, which is the northernmost point of South America, sticking out in the Caribbean. And there's all these other interesting kind of geological, morphological features along the ocean and through the desert there. And the people themselves, like all indigenous people in a place like Colombia, have had a pretty complicated history in their relation with the Spanish and then with the Colombian state. And I don't know nearly enough about it to talk about it really at this point. Uh, but suffice to say, there's there's a lot of poverty and there's a lot of uh, challenges in La Guajira in terms of resources and getting people the opportunities and the things they need to, to really develop their lives uh, in the modern world. So you see a lot of campaigns around Colombia that are things like, you know, help the children of La Guajira, support La Guajira. Uh, there's, there are efforts to bring more, almost the whole peninsula, there's almost no electricity out there. Very little electricity there is. It's not connected to the main grid of the country. Once you get past the last city 
which is Rio Acha, the last kind of major Colombian town. And you get north into Alta Guajira, which is the desert where the Wayu live. Um, there's, I mean, there, there's nothing. There's, there's no running water unless you make it. There's no electricity if you make it. So they have generators, they have some solar panels, they have some wind farms. They're trying to put in more out there. And of course there's uh, some old coal mining operations and a port over on the Eastern side of the peninsula, I believe. Um, there's some other interesting features of that area, but anyway, Lena and I, we're just on our way there. Um, in this week of the podcast, we, we just, where we're going to jump into the conversation in a minute here, but where we were, we had just spent a couple of weeks lounging around in Santa Marta and, and eating delicious seafood and just relaxing and going to the beach and getting suntanned and sunburned and, and having a good old, good old time. Uh, but we're on our way up into the desert, so we haven't been there yet. That's going to be the next uh, week or two on God Native here. We talk about Tyrona National Park, which is one of the more interesting, more developed national parks in Colombia. Not to say that it's very developed. There are some eco hotels inside the park, but it's right on the coast. So it's it's jungle meets desert meets ocean, just like that whole region of uh, northern, northeastern Colombia there. Uh, it's really interesting. You don't expect to see those kinds of kinds of ecosystems there. And, and you know, we saw monkeys, we saw iguanas, we saw some kind of capybara type animals in the underbrush, and um, we saw some other interesting stuff. So we'll we'll, we'll, t- we'll talk about that here and some of the some of the really nice like luxury accommodations you can find when you go out there for not too much money. So it's definitely worth a visit. Uh, but we'll get we'll get more into that in the episode here. So. Uh, why don't we get right into it? They look like ordinary cocoa lemonades, but they're not. Little they know. They have a little extra spice to them. A little bit of the um, local rum. Well, yeah. local from Caldas. Caldas. Caldas, which is the department with the coffee zone in it, more or less. Yes. So what's the difference between Caldas and Quindío? Because it's... Well, for me, nothing, but it's for them, the it's a lot. <laughs> is Quindío actually a department? Yeah. It is? Yeah. Okay, because I, I got the impression it was like the name of a re- the region or part no, of the region or Quindio something. No, Quindío is a department. Okay, okay. So one of the contestants for the, because for I thought the national I, beauty contest would be Quindío, Miss Quindío. And Miss Caldas. And Miss Caldas. I like how that's your qualification for, yeah. for how to define a region of Colombia. Do they... Yeah. Do they send Do they send a contestant to the Miss Colombia competition? Now you know. <laughs> oh, for me, it would be for the Bambuco contest. The what? Bambuco. In Bambuco? Yeah. Okay, the so folkloric so. festival of Huila. Oh. So, God, how many folkloric festivals does Huila have? There's... No, it's just one. There's San... Jose? No, no. San, San Pedro, San, San Juan. Pedro. Those San Pedro are the festivities, but the, but the contest that they do is the national uh, national contest, national folkloric contest of Bambuco. Bambuco. And after the national beauty pageant, the pageant that's the biggest one. Hmm. Okay. That they have to dance. Okay. And where are we right now? Magdalena, right? Where is Santa Marta? Magdalena? Magdalena. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Department of Magdalena. Also the name of the country's biggest river. Of course. And the most famous river. Made famous by... I almost said Gael Garcia Bernal. <laughs> uh, Garcia Marquez. What's his first name? Gabriel. Gabriel. Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Sorry, I just... I get the names mixed up. Yeah, okay. I forget my own name sometimes. That is very interesting that you say made famous by... Mm, well, I don't, not necessarily, but that's where I first heard the name Rio Magdalena. Ah, okay, 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 because for Colombia, it's like the river, period. But there's there's others, I mean, we're in front of one here right now. Yeah, but it's the one that crosses the whole country. It used to be used as the first fluvial, like, it would be like what it would connect the whole country, you mm-hmm. know? Like, they would transport stuff through the through the river. That is not done anymore. Right, like the train. Like there used to be a transport train. Yes. Took cargo from the coast to the interior, right? Yes. Uh, So what happened to that? That is a very good question. I have no clue. Hmm. Maybe that's a historical mystery. 
probably not Maybe that it's not much a of a mystery. mystery. <laughs> it's probably not that much of a mystery. I'm yeah. just I'm just clueless. I don't know what happened. Yeah, no, me me too. I mean, it's not like everyone knows like what happened to it or like why it didn't develop or like why did it stop. No idea. I read that the sediment of the Magdalena couldn't hold anymore the the big cargos. Hmm. So it needed like major like intervention to become actually like a like a transportation river and they never did that. They never like went through with it. Yeah, but that was for the boats. Yeah. Not the train. Yeah, when the boats started to become bigger and that was it. Yeah. I don't know, that's very odd. You'd hmm. think like having uh freight trains around this country would be a great thing. You don't say for moving cargo. <laughs> I mean it's so mountainous, like you know, having tunnels through the mountains, all that stuff. Would be good for passenger transport too. Just a thought. Just a thought. That's only, some... is only what it is. Just a thought. Yeah, it's something I, I hear a lot about. Express like often here is like we need a the, train. the desire to have a really nice train system, not just in oh, Colombia, it would, but it like would be lovely in the Andes region in general, like hmm. from colombia through like ecuador peru yeah i've heard it too like they are really trying to figure out like maybe uh instead of trying to do planes in latin america we should do like a like a train connecting all of it because we were talking the other day with a peruvian and we were trying to talk about like how to integrate more the nations like the especially the latin countries especially because we have no like language barriers except for brazil and we can actually you know, speak Portuguese. We could try to speak Portuguese and they could try to speak like Spanish, like, you know, for more integration. And the communication got, the, the conversation got heated up. Mm. Like, we rose up a lot. Uh, In what way? Like, the differences. I, I have an interpretation of what happened there. I bet that is not what most Latin Americans think of that conversation and no one else tried to have the conversation it was just one one two different groups they no i mean tried to like, hash it out. no the other night that we were sitting down with the Peruvian. oh you're talking about that specific conversation yeah. i thought you were talking about historically like portuguese people trying to speak to spanish no, people and they, no, maybe, was, maybe they had a conference or something and everyone had a big fight and then they decided they just were never gonna work it out <laughs> that's what it sounded like to me what you well, were saying it sounds like it might have happened that like when people start throwing like chairs it, yeah, yeah like we have tried so hard to just like do like tables where all of the Latin American countries sit mm-hmm. but we seem to not like move from that point mm, like the uh, organization of American states yeah doesn't seem to function very well doesn't seem to function at all yeah it's like basically like the UN of Latin America <laughs> like everyone's a member but nobody can really do anything. do anything with it yeah but the UN expresses themselves like you know like in a in a very vocal way like they have rules all those kind of stuff you know you see the UN I've never seen the OEA every, mm. anywhere like I don't know where I don't even know what are their functions probably they function in what they agreed they function very well but like as a whatever that is as a yeah, yeah whatever that is but as a as a maybe like as a leadership or like a like a like a table where everyone sits and like agree to stuff that are like uh in terms of leading people of the americas i've never seen it Mm. maybe i'm just an idiot that has never seen that no i mean they come up in the news when like whenever there's something going on um, like something interstate thing happening usually they get mentioned but never never in terms of like Mm. Uh, you know they're doing this it's always like OAS you know condemns this country for whatever but it, ah you know, so it's basically yes like the UN, like the UN so, but they can't like impose sanctions they can't like so basically take I cannot, action yeah I cannot speak about it because I don't know enough about them mm. and it's just like I don't know my obliviousness might be out from not paying enough attention they might do amazing stuff I have no idea I just realized taking drinks of this might be really annoying to the listeners. It might be going, giving a big gulp on the audio there. Wait, give me, really? Let's, let's, let's do a little test. Let, let's hear. Um, gulp test. I'm going to listen one. here. I'm going to listen here. So give it, give it a sip there. Nope. Can't hear anything. We're it's good. Because, it's because I know how to drink. 
Ah. Oh. Ah. Oh. Ah. Oh. Ah. oh. Okay. Ah. Are you are you saying that I slurp my drinks? I'm not not you, saying uh, that you slurped your drinks. Are you implying something? <laughs> well, ah. I'll try to drink like a like a lady. I'll try to drink like a civilized person. Eso. Easy. Yeah. Ah! How hard that was. <sighs> it's just not easy. <laughs> um. So yeah, again, we said limonade de coco, so coconut lemonade. So, I mean, what is this really? It's just... Lemonade made with uh, coconut milk. Lemonade with coconut milk added. And a little rum, if you feel like it. Ha! If you're uh, basically on vacation. Like we are. And you're sitting here on the banks of the uh, Rio Piedra or something. <laughs> like the, the Stone River. It is small, it's a small river, but a... Rio Diego? No. I can't remember. Piedra Noera? I think so. Yeah. Small river. This is an outlet. We're here. We're on the outside of uh, Tairona National Park. Oh, yeah. Um, which is one of the major tourist destinations for natural parks here in Colombia, which there aren't that many because most natural parks here are just large wilderness areas that are totally uncontrolled and yes. unregulated, except yes. for, you know, being basically closed off. But they tend to be full of all kinds of unsavory activities going on deep within their interior, they which had, makes them kind of unsafe. They had been um, give, they have been giving like um, national park land to to native communities, which is exactly what is happening here in Tirana. Four of the communities that inhabit the, the park are the ones that take care of it. So yeah, that was very interesting. Um, you were just telling me about how, so, okay. So once a year, the natives here in Tirona Park um, they, there's four different native groups, you said? Yeah. Yeah, there's what? There's Wiwa, there's Kogi. No, I, I don't have the list, but so, uh, I would say that that is at least two. Yeah. Anyway, you, you meet them when you go visit the park. They're, they're around um, yeah. taking part in operations and selling things and yeah. all that stuff. Uh, but they, they basically own the park. I mean, it's, I don't know what the arrangement is exactly. The government gave them ownership like legal title or something. I don't know, because it's also a national park. It, yeah, I don't know if it's Tayona. I don't know what's the legal situation there because they, it's their native land and they take care of it. I don't know if they get the revenue for that and that's how they sponsor, like a little bit like what happens in the native community. I have yeah, no idea. That would be very interesting. I would yeah. love to get someone to sit down and talk about how that works because um, it's a really interesting model because mm. it's a national park. So Colombia is the custodian of that and yet or, or the owner or whatever I don't know and yet the native groups who inhabit the parks have been granted ownership inhabitants right to inhabit the park ownership I mean who knows I saw that the government is giving right like land rights to the to the native communities and they receive it from the government and then they divide it into it divided it into the families that's what what one of the a native sold us in Ecocli, right? Right. Like they get it from the government. Like we are, we inhabit this. The government buys it and then and gives then the right. Gives it to us. Yeah. Splits it up between the families. Yeah, and they they decide how to split it between the families. That's yeah. how it worked. That's how it worked yeah. for him. It's a re it's a really really interesting model because you hear a lot of stories about native groups getting kicked out of national parks and in, in like countries in Africa, for example, oh, in the name really? of conservation. Um, to, they say to protect an endangered species or something. They have to get the people out of there because the people are threatening it. But the people who live there are actually the ones who know how to kind of live in tandem with those species and make sure that the environment is healthy and that the population how, how stay healthy. How did they healthy. get the idea to throw them out then? They, it's, it's a whole thing. There's I a lot of corruption so. involved. It's, oh. So a lot of the time, what my understanding uh -huh. is that um, they will often eject some of these groups on grounds of protecting an endangered species or something. But then what will end up happening is they'll start granting like logging concessions or things to people who come in see. and cut the trees down. And the only thing between the logging and the park is, is the, the natives. Yeah, and sometimes they resist and they usually end up well, getting even attacked. If it, and, even you know. if it doesn't like really work like very well in here because you have to ensure that the indigenous people can be safe and all those kind of stuff. Independently from that, which is very difficult, um, I would say that is an interesting model. 
like going like doing it backwards because it's like, not it's not one I've really I wanna, heard of I want to prevent anyone to destroy this park I'm going to give it to the I'm going to give like rights to the to the natives to the people who actually live there yeah. who live there forever yeah, yeah. I, I saw I saw that in a in a report of the World Economic Forum it's about the trillion dollar opportunity of um, environmental services and it was cited there what the Colombian government is doing Mm. Um, I thought it was brilliant. You know, from the idea to make it work is a huge thing, but uh, I don't know. I, I applaud the, the, the effort. Yeah. should probably clarify environmental services. When you say environmental services, people probably think of uh, like people who clean offices. Like they're coming in and taking out the no, trash and they're vacuuming. Okay, environmental services are like the services that are for taking care of the environment. So it means like, for example, reparation of uh, um, your carbon footprint. Uh, like, for example, you can pay instead of uh, farmers instead of like for the product that is on a land, you can pay the farmer the same amount of the product, but to take care of like some native uh, like forest. That's an environmental service. Mm. That's a very different kind of environmental services. Yeah, <laughs> because it's to re- it's to actually repair the environment. Uh, the environment. Yeah. So, uh, because what is the incentive for a farmer to have a tree, to keep a tree, to keep nature? Nothing. That actually is taking off um, the profit that he's gonna make from I don't know peas or like whatever uh, kind of agricultural product that that he can that he can take. So the mindset is to why don't we pay him the same as if that was his crop to keep that. Again, great idea. (laughs) (laughs) It's starting to happen. It's starting to happen some places. Like I don't understand very well how farm subsidies work in the U.S., for example. The government pays a lot of money to to farmers to... um, To farm? Basically just to be farmers, whether they're producing or not. But... The subsidy, I don't think, comes with any, any um, you know, clauses attached that says, oh, you have to, like, take care of the land or you have to protect this native species or whatever. I think it's just, you know, we're still going to pay you to farm because we know that sometimes you're going to produce and sometimes you're going to leave the fields fallow. But that's, that's, that's the government, you know? Like, that's the... what. And, and this is the thing about governments. I don't know. I might, be, I might be talking out of my ass that I... I don't yeah, know without any really idea, works. like I, I just wanted to introduce the concept of that it doesn't have to be the government, but the farmer can sell the reparation that the farm that the land that he's protecting is giving. Like, hey, I'm giving this amount of tons of captured carbon and oxygen that I'm giving to the. Oh, so the farmer can sell carbon credits. Yeah. Ah, that's interesting. Maybe not. He can. He well, can a kind, credit, of, a kind yeah. of carbon credits. Yeah, he can credit the, the carbon credits and then, like, sell that. Yeah. I mean, I know carbon credits are a huge debate that, again, I don't understand anything about, but it's mm-hmm. an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where were we? Oh, Tyrona Park. So, Tyrona is maybe one of the first parks you'll probably see recommended in, like, a tourist guide or something. Yeah. Like, one of those, it's, like, one of those places that's at the top of the list you should visit because it's easy to get there. You fly into the city of Santa Marta. You and can come stay in one of the hotels here or in Santa Marta and come visit Or in Tyrona Park. Or inside Tyrona Park. There's, like, eco-hotels and stuff. And so the native groups, they kind of take care of the park. And there's also, I guess some other services involved there's like yeah, a franchise the national, the national the national park system is also yeah, doing it like there's some any, kind of franchise inside the park also that yeah. one the, yeah. it's not a franchise it's like a national park mm. entity and so i've i've heard that once a year for one month they close the park mm-hmm. and this is for the indigenous communities there to do kind of a spiritual cleansing. Cle- a spiritual cleansing of the park also an actual cleansing because a lot of stupid people go in there and throw their trash and stuff all over the place and carve their names in trees and break branches and we saw, spook we the saw wildlife. spray paint yeah we saw spray paint i'm gonna throw a couple of shots of that in here because whoever did that <laughs> should be shamed uh they left their name on it which was you know probably not the smartest thing to do oh we got a leaf blower going here so we were we were uh, we got cut off yesterday. There was a guaranya, right? Guaranya, yes. yes. Otherwise known as a weed whacker, a weed whacker. 
which I've learned. I like, I like this, the wacker board. Yeah, there's kind of that kind of machinery has a has this like mystical ability to just magically appear and turn on as soon as you turn on microphones. <laughs> it's it's really amazing. It's like a miracle. Um, so what were we talking about? We were talking about Tyrona Park, right? We were talking so, about Tyrona. Well, hold on. Before I like. This is the perfect where we are now. You might notice we've changed venues a little bit. Uh, this is the perfect opportunity to highlight what we originally wanted to talk about, which is the idea of luxury, you know, luxurious things versus things that are not luxurious or not luxury. So we'll get back to that in a second, but we should finish uh, saying what saying what we were saying about Tyrone Park, which is just that it's really interesting because the Indians who quote unquote own the area close it for a month natives love indigenous peoples who, yeah. groups communities who quote unquote own the park close it completely uh, for a month out of every year to do a, a spiritual cleansing mm-hmm. which is very interesting right yeah like it's not only like a spiritual cleansing but I think like it's more about recharging and if you go to that place and you don't have a speaker on you're really able to connect with a with a lot of like nature that is going on around there and it's really beautiful so I really like that it's really powerful like if like I told you if you don't go to party hard there which I really suggest not to uh, you can actually see that the sea is very interesting like the rocks how they form like everything that is around is quite magical so definitely like being able to enjoy that place like in a natural spiritual way is more powerful than just like party there because party like, yeah like yeah. I mean like you can party in the garage of your house why would you go to Tyrona to do that it's like yeah so that leads us into the other thing I wanted to talk about um so they've closed, they have now closed the park again on a temporary basis yeah. for an additional time for a two-week period starting at the beginning of June for, for like two weeks or something, uh-huh. right? So why did they do that? Why did, why did they decide to do that right now? No, like they do it always. Like they didn't decide it right now. It's like how they always do it. Oh, this is the regular closing. Yes. Now, oh, because I thought this was an extra closing they were doing no, because of COVID. No, and it's exactly the time that they do it. I oh, thought well, it was. Anyway. I thought it was because like an extra thing or something, but oh. no, it's like how they always close it. Okay, it's like well, the time to to do the cleansing. Okay, that's my mistake. So I thought they were going to close it extra just because it was getting too dirty and people were too dirty. <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> Which is true. Hey, so that, I, I heard a story what? about being too dirty with people because uh, it one of, one of the no, <laughs> it was one of the cab drivers who was taking us there. Um, there was a commission, like a naturalist commission, that came to the park to check on like during the time of the quarantines. Naturalist commission. Yeah, it was a naturalist commission. He mm-hmm. said, like he, he said, I had to drive them, but I didn't know that they were gonna take me with them. So they took him, to and he walk was in the park. Yeah, and he was like, this was outrageous. All the animals were exploding here. Like there was monkeys on the road. There was, you know, all kinds of stuff like like. While the park was closed for COVID. Well, there was quarantine. Yeah, for quarantine. I mean, back in the, the beginning park of wasn't COVID, closed. The world was closed. Well, you should be you should be clear. This is back during when everything was first closed down yeah. for a period of time. So they then came back to the park with the Naturalist Commission, and there had been no people there for a while, exactly. and nature was just exploding all over. Yeah, the place. it happened exactly the same as like all the cities, and we were able to see how dirty we are mm-hmm. as you know species. Yeah, because so we went back just now a few days ago uh just to hike through the park uh you can hike through a part like down it's kind of through the jungle and then out to the beach uh it's really beautiful yeah um, and then the jungle mixes with the beach it's beautiful yeah, but we didn't see very many animals we saw a few we saw one monkey who came really close but we got the feeling that he was used to getting handouts from people because he came really close and he was watching us and like waiting for something yeah i'll throw some some video in here so you can see him too um it was yeah, really we, cool. We, uh, we thought that, that, but there was a cab driver that was saying that the monkey came to us because we had the like, great energy. Yes, because we had such great energy as people. But I really it's think he you, was just. It's you. I we really think, think we, he was just looking for a peanut. 
<laughs> the monkey or the cab driver? <laughs> the monkey. Cab driver got his peanuts. We paid him well. Yeah. For our private trip. Yeah, um, but I, I really think that he was trying to get like on our good side because he wanted to. Sure, know. sure. He wanted more trips. Yeah. So, the, but the other thing we noticed is that we were the only ones coming down the trail who were actually being quiet walking through there. Everyone else was walking through there. They were yelling. They were talking. Some people were actually playing music on portable loudspeakers, which are supposedly not allowed inside the park. And it raises a question. If you go somewhere to connect with nature, to enjoy nature, um, why would you want to pollute that? Why would you want to spoil that by blasting music on your cell phone or on I'm a portable speaker or whatever? It, it's a question I have because I don't understand the thinking. I don't understand the rationale. I mean, I do, okay, but I have been, at the same I have been time, trying to think about it. Like, I can't why, relate to it. Why, why does it happen? And I'm starting to think that the trail, which is beautiful, is just a thing that you have to do in order to get to the beach. So no one goes there to enjoy the trail. So the trail is like lost in translation for the people. It's like, just like have a refreshment while you get to the beach and get to the party and get to the things, which is, it's kind of sad for me because I, I went for the, for the nature and I thought it was really cool, especially like watching that, watching that place, like clashing, uh, like a jungle clashing with, with, with the sea. Ah, oh, I thought that was amazing. Yeah. I loved it so much. It's it's interesting here in this region in particular because first you have the desert meets the sea. Mm -hmm. So like Santa Marta and then all the way up here to Lago here it gets very dry. So you have um, just cactus and like these little scrub desert trees just going like right down to the beach pretty mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is always fascinating. I mean, you see that in other places. You see that, like, in uh, Baja California. I was mentioning it looks really similar to that. Um, anyway, so we were just noticing that um, because it was also, I mean, we had a little issue with our hotel. I don't know if you want to talk about it. That is very interesting because it brings us to the, to the theme of luxury. Yeah. So we wanted like to go for a vacation that was luxurious, and we saw that place, and we were like, "Oh my God, this is beautiful!" So we should explain what it is, right? So we made a reservation at this hotel in this area called Los Naranjos, which is just outside Tyrona Park, but it's like a specifically like one big property with a bunch of really nice like luxury hotels right on this this large property that also adjoins to the beach and is bordered by a river outside Tyrona Park. So so it's a very like natural environment and a lot of the selling point of coming to this place from you know all the materials and the bookings is like you know connect with nature. Yeah, you're seeing you're seeing Tayrona right in front of you. You know the power of the Sierra, all those kind of stuff like you want to connect with. And especially after being, you know, like in the city, all this kind of stuff, you're like just want to be in a place where you just get massages and you just hear birds. And we actually saw squirrels coming up to our room yeah, and stuff squirrels, like that. Bushy red, red squirrels. squirrels. Yeah. yeah, which is weird for me because I'm used to seeing the California, like. Pigeons or squirrels are like pigeons. <laughs> okay, okay. For me, it's like a novelty. I was like, oh my god, a squirrel! You were like, eh, a squirrel. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was beautiful. Um, well, it was a different squirrel. It's not the same squirrel. And we get nice to squirrel. the place. We get to the place, and it's this like, oh my god, architecture made of bamboo, all this kind of stuff. Uh, stuff is amazing. Yeah, like uh, impeccable service, like luxury to the max. The place is beautiful. Everything is looked great. like an Instagram or story. Yeah. Like, oh my god, I'm like flying here, like going to this place, and it was just like so perfect. Which I think is part of the issue that we encountered there. I think the issue is that it's too accessible to young adults. Well, the hotel we were at in particular was uh, slightly more affordable than some of the other hotels in the yeah, property. Yeah, we, we went for the slightly more affordable to two more yeah, days. because we wanted to stay longer. Yeah. Um, and what we found <laughs> is that there's... there's. I want to say this very carefully, okay? Because I don't want to misrepresent anything. 
there's a certain mentality. I want to see how you explain it. There's a certain way of thinking, which has to do with what we were talking about, about people going through the park, Tyrona Park, but their only thought is the beach. Oh, we're going to the beach. So we're going to bring the music and we're going to have a party and the drinks and the trash. And we're going to throw the trash everywhere. So there's this certain way of thinking that's like, we're going to this hotel because we want to party there. Right? So, yeah. hold on. I, I want to finish this thought. Okay. So I don't want to call out Colombians in general because there, it, there's all kinds of people here just like there's all kinds of people everywhere. But in this country, there is a very uh, common mentality that in order to enjoy your time, there needs to be loud music playing. There needs right? to be a party. They, there needs to be a party going. They call it ambiente, right? Like if you go in a place and there's no music playing or something, your mother does this too. She's, if there's no music, she's like, I falta de ambiente. Like, there's no ambiente. Um, so they come, so certain people come to this really nice hotel, to this natural place, and they go out to the pool and there's no music playing. And all they hear are the birds and maybe other people talking quietly and they go, falta de ambiente, we need to have a party. Um, so I just, it's this clash, right? Because we came there to connect with the birds and whatever. You know, listen to the monkeys and the bugs and the beach sound um, that I enjoy so much. And yet other people found that to be a detriment, like it took away from their experience, uh, which I just, I, I don't see how to reconcile that. And the owners of the hotel, we spoke to the owners about this. They don't, they were surprised by that too, right? That there's this difference between let's call it the international expectation like someone like me coming yeah. from outside versus the young adult young come. adult from Colombia they just want to party um, and usually that's what you do in most places in Colombia I mean, usually you go to like a private finca to like a private country house with a pool or whatever and you just what are the yes and uh, you just play loud music and you drink and you get crazy and you party, right? That's like, it's very common. Exactly so like that. So they bring that same expectation to this, you know, really nice hotel and this natural place and they say, they say, where's the party? Exactly. Um, I would say that that was, for me it was, it was kind of strange because what actually happened is that the hotel doesn't have music on that's the purpose of it you know and like it, it kind of goes with the kind of like the park um, expectations but for me it was really funny because you don't go to a restaurant and because they don't have like loud music you just like pop up a, a speaker and you're like people need to have ambiente and put on a speaker that was kind of trash so that, that's a comparison for example yeah you, you don't go, go to a go restaurant to, a nice to, nice to do that you go to yeah. a nice restaurant you go to enjoy the food you go to enjoy their environment and you're like something's missing so you pull out your cell phone and you start blasting Bad Bunny in the middle of the restaurant it's it like, seems a bit odd it it's not odd it's, it's crunchy it's, it's, it's so tacky it's like <laughs> tacky. imagine, imagine tacky going the to the French Laundry the You're French in Laundry Thomas Keller's Thomas famous Keller's restaurant famous in restaurant in Yonville in you're like this is not good enough I'm gonna pop a speaker like Guess what is going to happen? And that's the thing that I think that the luxury part hasn't get into the people's minds. This is about submission. And, and I really like that about... Um, it's, a, it's a concept that I saw from from our dear late um, Anthony Bourdain. Because he submission. said... No, no, no. Um, this is our, our dearly recently... Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. He, he said about it's, it's about submission mm -hmm. everything about food is submission like you receive you the experience to receive yeah the experience. you submit to receive the experience that someone is trying to give you which is exactly what everyone from this hotel did they curated this place they curated the architecture they actually were talking about like how they selected the staff everything in order to create this experience 
for you to come and put a freaking loudspeaker. Because it there's doesn't not make enough any, It doesn't make any sense that you do that. You go yeah. there to pay for the experience that they are giving to you. Not for you to demand that it's like, there should be a party in the middle of the pool right now. Where is the DJ? Like, there are specific places to do that. There they, are lots of them. They're they everywhere. actually made a bar in the property. In a different part of the property. In a different part of the property, there's a space that is called the bar, and it's actually a place where you go and put music and, like, have parties. And you can drink and you can do all the things that you shouldn't be doing at the pool. But apparently this is like lost in translation because it was a shock that when we went in, like we came to the hotel, first thing that they said to us, if you want to put music on, music on, it has to be on your phone and it has to be like in your room, but it, has, but it has to be very quiet. And I thought that was odd. Yeah, I thought right away, why would we put music on? And then we found out. <laughs> People do that. And you know, this sounds kind of like Coming from me, this might sound kind of like white privilege, like, you know, this privileged foreigner comes in and they want to, oh, they want to have things a certain way, but, you know, the local culture is what it is and whatever. Like, for instance, one time when the kids were playing their speaker really loud, and I could hear it from inside our room on the other side of the hotel with our door closed, um, you know, I came out and I asked them, could you please ask them to turn that down? And they asked them to turn it down, and the kids immediately, like, got so mad they're like why should we have to do that you know they said this is Colombia like as if that explains everything like as if I mean in a way it does because most places in Colombia you're gonna find that you're gonna find loud yes music but there is everywhere. a lot of places in Colombia that you're gonna find that why do you want to spoil the experience that someone is trying to bring to you with your own demands yeah. it's like go to a club yeah, like seriously there is a lot of places for you to just like try to demand that this experience changes only for you yeah. and it's really I, just I that it's really long. just that like you know we came here for this specific idea that we felt we had been kind of like sold by the, the hotel and the property that this is going to be how it is and it was that's what they created that's what they offered and especially it was you know it's our wedding anniversary <laughs> it's a special moment um And it just felt kind of like, like really? Like I came here to, to just you know, I, get away from this for a minute. I felt I felt that I, I wasn't like going there for escaping that. I thought that was rude to the hotel. I thought that was rude to the person that was trying to create the experience to say like, you're not doing it well enough. We're gonna fix it for you. <laughs> like, you think you know better? Yeah, who you are to think that you know better? Like this is about, Submitting, like submission, like you yeah. should like receive what they are bringing to you. Yeah, it's so like again, maybe. It's a- oh, I'm gonna do a compar- uh, a comparison. Maybe it's like because I just recently watched uh, Last Holiday. Remember the Queen Latifah. Um, finds out she's gonna die. Yeah, and she goes, and she finds the chef that she really admires, and she has like just one night at the restaurant where she knows that she's not going to be able to try everything that he's going to make the next day. So she's she's like, okay, so I guess I have to like try everything tonight from this menu. And the chef was so thrilled because they, we, they portray the struggle of a chef when they make something And they start like, please, no this, no this, no salt, no whatever. Can you do this on the side? Can you? And people start like changing the things like all the time. And he was just like fed up with it because he was trying to represent something and to tell something with his art, which is cooking. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any museum? Like, what if oh, someone would tell Van Gogh like, mm, can you do it better like in blue? Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't do that. Yeah. Like, that's that's the idea, to know new things, to meet new things. And you don't go to a restaurant to demand to have your taste. You go to a restaurant to, to receive what they are trying to propose. And that should be, like, something that is a change of, like, the mind of, I'm the customer, you should do whatever I say. To, I, I There is places to for you yeah. do what you yeah. want to do for me. Yeah. Which, okay, so getting back to the idea of luxury... Like Which would, gets me back to the idea of luxury. Would you say 
that that is the idea of a luxury experience. So this is like the two That's things curated. that I believe that is that it was hard for the for the staff to balance because they want us to be like happy. Like they work really hard to for us to have a great experience there and they would go lengths to do it. But they also want all the guests to be happy, right? It's not just us. We're not special. They want they want to all the guests to be happy. And but they have the to balance that with the groups. this is the proposal of the hotel and I'm gonna give you this. Like you don't go to to, to Cirque du Soleil and tell them you know what? A little few, few, few less acrobats, no, maybe like, a little more with the elephant. I'm kind of scared know. about like loud noises. Can can we just like put it down? Meanwhile, it's like that's the experience. Yeah, yeah. We should probably we gotta wrap this up soon. But I mean, that's yeah, that's hard, right? You that's you, the balance that you, you create. <laughs> you create a luxury experience. You offer this to people. You say you come here to experience this. Yeah, and everything people, is about service. Service about is about like service, the the product, whatever it is. Yeah, whether it's a hotel, you bring or it, a restaurant, or yeah. a, a tube of toothpaste. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Italian leather. Um, and yet the people who come. Some of them are going to have have a more like we're paying for this attitude, so we want like whatever we say. What we want, yeah. So how do you balance those two things? And that I think is I think the challenge. Of I every think it's a true it's a true difficulty of luxury. A luxury offering. But I'm gonna say like because this was like less expensive, I'm gonna say that they were still submitting to the people's um, like demands we were we included yeah. we included um, because if you go to a I don't know a thousand dollar a night hotel and they're like we're about like silence and you know this is like a retreat or a spa or whatever and we're like about connecting with the nature they're gonna kick you out if you put on music yeah yeah. And you're you're gonna start like oh no I, I feel like we should do music now and I know this was supposed to be like a cleansing thing and you only offer guys juices or detoxing like stuff but I really need like a burger right now. They're gonna say to you, well this is not the sorry. place for you. <laughs> yes, they're gonna say sorry to you. Like think yeah. about for example Six Senses, which is a very luxurious. Uh, if you haven't go, you have to look. Six to- Senses. Oh yeah. Is, is this hotel chain that it only builds hotels like in, in reservoirs or something like you have to check it out because all the experiences are like in, intertwined with the people like the local indigenous people there mm. and I just imagine like someone going there and demanding the indigenous people to do something else like no you why don't you fetch me a coca-cola or something like that they're gonna say to you like this is not what the experience is about or the native (laughs) yeah it's like i'm sorry sir we're gonna have to cancel your reservations everything blah 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 I, i don't know well that's a good example but yeah i mean so so just to wrap it up i mean luxury i guess is a more complicated concept than i than I used to think it was. Yeah, I think we should lean more towards like the six senses thing, which we're about to submit, you know, a submission. Let the experience come to you. This is what they have curated for you. You should experience it. Give yourself over a little bit to it. Don't don't fight it too hard. I mean, unless you, you know, have some horrible allergy that's going to kill you or something, like, obviously. Of course. And they are going to be sensitive to that. But, um, again, like, yeah, submission. And I think, I think that's a good word because a lot of people have a lot of issues with, like, submitting to things in life in general, including me. Especially when you're going, like, this is our savings. We're going to put our savings into this experience sometimes you go with the idea that the effort that you're putting in the payment it should be it should come with they saying everything that you say it's not about that yeah give yourself over give yourself over which is what we're about to do um <laughs> speaking of the change of surroundings here welcome to la guajira <laughs> yeah we, so we left the area we were in before uh outside tyrona park um and we are now entering la guajira, which la guajira. A, uh i'm gonna be taking some footage we might record another podcast out there definitely after we get back to tell you about it um it's a it's a remote peninsula in colombia very dry very arid 
uh, desert kind of conditions and a lot of um, indigenous people living there in their traditional ways. And we're going on... We're going to meet some wajus. We're going on a curated tour of the whole area that's going to last three days. We're going to go to all the sightseeing and like see some flamingos on the way. Yeah, there's a lot of beautiful natural stuff too. It's, it's not just about like, going, oh, look at the Indians. Um, it's it's going to be um, an integration thing because they are yeah. very open and uh, I hope that they are going to invite us to, to see their houses and like to see a little bit the world, their way of life. Yeah. They are amazing artisans. They are just outrageous knitters. It is beautiful. Everything that they do is beautiful. So I'm hoping to see like how they live, how they do that, why yeah, they yeah. do it, like to integrate a little bit with the with the feeling of the area. Yeah, so, so we'll get back and we'll tell you a little bit about it. I might not record that much because um, I don't want to be rude getting the camera in people's faces and stuff, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. So, so see, see you later. Days, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Ciao. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Santa Marta, about luxury, about Tyrona National Park and some of the issues surrounding that area. Uh, if you want to find more stories like this, you can find me on Substack at gonenative.substack.com, where you can find all, all kinds of articles, uh, essays, podcasts like this, documentaries. Definitely watch the documentary The Chocolate Dream. Uh, it's my hour-long free documentary about cacao farming in and around the region of Necocli, Colombia, which was filmed back in 2019. And uh, things, the situation has changed quite a bit around there since then, but the, the cacao farming is still going on. So it's it's a really interesting story about using uh, using sustainability and native uh, agriculture, ecology, kind of mixing it all together with industry to create. Um, a really interesting situation where things are truly being grown sustainably, cacao in this case, and providing jobs and opportunities and everything to community development to the people around there. There are obviously still challenges with that. I mean, this is Colombia after all, but uh, they're, they're on their way to developing a really interesting model, I think, for the future of uh, sustainable agriculture anywhere in the world, all kinds of crops. So definitely check that out. The Chocolate Dream, uh, Substack, Gone Native on Substack. You can find me on social media at Gone Native Media. So follow me there. Uh, follow us on YouTube, Gone Native, or I'm on Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, at Gone Native Media. So I hope to see you there, and we'll see you next time. Saludos.